Hey there, this is Fred Pissarro, and you're listening to Metal Matters, the official Gimme Metal podcast, where we explore all things new, some things classic, but all things heavy, with my co-host, Michael Verdan. This week on the show, we have Jacob Bannett, legendary frontman of Converge, Wear Your Wounds, and many other seminal hardcore acts, as well as being the head of the very influential Deathwish Inc. We spoke with Jacob Bannon about his time during the pandemic and got pretty philosophical along the way. Check it out. What you've been up to and how you've been coping and all that kind of stuff. Um, just like everybody else, you know, I've just been trying to stay uh, productive and busy mm-hmm. uh, amid these kind of challenging times. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of us that that have been touring for you know most of our lives, or at least most of our creative lives, you know, we're thrown quite a wrench in the last year or so, mm-hmm. yeah, and so it derailed a lot of things and. You know, trying to navigate that, figure out the best ways to approach certain aspects of that have been, um, yeah, a challenge for sure. But I like challenges. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it didn't really, it didn't really affect me where it, I mean, it affected me for sure, but it didn't affect me to the point where, you know, it put me down in the, uh, the, the total hole of depression, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm sort of like, a, when it comes to the, the fight or flight sort of thing, I naturally go to the fight than, than the flight. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, a just another, just another thing, you know, I, honestly, like it, being somebody rooted in the punk rock world and the hardcore world or whatever, and just trying to like make your own sort of path, uh, for so long, I feel that that, at least gave many of us in this community um, a leg up in terms of how to navigate this and how to make make your life work uh, with uh, amid all these challenges, you know. Yeah. Um, and they're different for everybody, you know. Uh, they're different for somebody with with six kids and you know and one income, yeah. and versus you know like you know one one guy with their cat in an apartment. You know, it's different mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, but yeah, so it was a little challenging for sure. Uh, you know, all the bands and projects all had things derailed mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, countless tours canceled. Uh, mm-hmm. Countless. I mean, things that like it was, it was funny. It was like, there were things that I was like, right on the cusp of announcement, you know, like getting pressure to get this out there and that out there and, and keep yeah. things, you know, going down the normal route. I was right there. And then eventually I was like, guys, I don't think any of this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stop because I have too much going on right now that like, I just, I'm just going to stop even thinking about, you know, uh, postponing this thing a week or two. It's just, it's just over. Mm-hmm. Totally. Let's just figure yeah. out a way to, to navigate the current event. Like get, let's get some, uh, let's zoom out, get some perspective and mm-hmm. see what we can do in this. And, you know, I've been doing the best I can um, yeah. in that. I had um, I had two records I was working on leading up to all of this, which mm-hmm. was the Umber Variety record. Yeah. 
and uh, and the Blood from the Soul album. And I was recording those and writing those uh, basically at the same time. Mm-hmm. So uh, those were all recorded around November through like December of December into January of 2020. So mm-hmm. the future of where those records were going to land was really up in the air, you mm-hmm. know, um, in yeah. terms of uh, just how, how to even how to responsibly introduce art into the world that with a world that was basically a giant dumpster fire, you know, and even if it was worth doing at any point in time, you know, and um, I know like myself and Rich here at Deathwish talked about it a lot in terms of how we were going to handle some of that stuff. And um, we came up with a pretty good plan, the way we handled the Umbra record and getting that out there and we're in the model works quite well that we put together and so we applied that to uh some other death wish releases that were scheduled for the year as well mm-hmm. as the blood from the soul album where yeah. we just kind of flipped everything on its head and you know and and went digital first and um made things a much longer sort of a much longer game you know, in terms of getting a record out to the masses, because can, we can't control manufacturing. And that's really yeah. what yeah. Um, what really got the wrench thrown into it more so than anything. It's more so the logistics of um, of delivery. Mm-hmm. So a lot of records, uh, some people know this, some people don't. There's plants all over the world that manufacture records. But really, there aren't that many, mm-hmm. and they are, are they're already backlogged. They already have, you know, they previously they all had three month lead times, something like that. Yeah. And this this made it all like a half a year. So that's why like a lot of those bigger, um, you know, hard rock and and metal and and punk records that were all hyped up uh, for a 2020 release either got completely uh, mothballed and just you mm-hmm. know put on ice. Because people don't know how to, they, they don't have the capacity to manufacture all of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, and that was a, a really big, big concern and delivering them also. So a yeah. lot of our freight that happens as a business for Death Wish, for especially for um, international manufacturing, you're putting stuff on planes, pallets and mm-hmm. planes, mm-hmm. and they're going in containers. And what's happening is nothing is going on planes. So everything is freight unless you want to pay triple and the Mm -hmm. economy of punk rock doesn't allow us to be able to make a record cost $60 to get into somebody's hand. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, So we just have to make do. So, you know, you, you see the chatter sometimes of people going, you know, like, why is it taking four months for this, this record to surface? It's like, well, Mm. it's done. It's just slowly getting to the world. Yeah. yeah, and that's the way that it's been working for many labels and many uh, many labels and many bands. Um, and yeah. there's some records that were t- completely postponed. Some people are betting on basically getting to 2021, which is now, and having normalcy start to take a hold again. And they'll just turn the switch on and just kind of go. But as a creative mm-hmm. person, I don't want that. I want to stay. I don't want to put things completely on pause. You know, I want to continue moving at the creative pace, which I feel comfortable. And I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. everybody in your world does as well. Yeah. yeah. What have you been yeah. doing to kind of keep yourself, uh, you know, active and motivated 
throughout all this stuff are you still like I, I take it you're still playing music regularly and it's been really hard i actually yeah. haven't played much music at all oh, okay. um so so for the first for the first aspect of the the sort of lockdowns that happened um there were you know we had touring plans that were all about to happen those just got squashed um and then it was like everybody was that i would normally see we all started kind of going into our, our own bubbles and you really didn't see anybody yeah um, Converge is, is also an interesting band being the main band where we, the three of us live quite close to each other. We all live within probably 20 minutes of each other. And we all live within a half hour of the studio, which is God city where we, where we rehearse and, and write and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now Ben moved to Los Angeles from New York, uh, right before all of this shit hit the fan. And he's done that before. He's been he's he's been bicoastal before, and he's been the guy that's had to travel to us um, from far distances. But obviously, travel got totally messed up when it came to COVID. Yeah. So a lot of our plans just got got iced. Um, we had lots of recording scheduled. Um, all of that got iced in uh, the early early to mid um, 2020, and we've just kind of been working. Uh, satellite uh, for the last, yeah, basically year yeah. on a variety yeah. of ideas and stuff. And that's what we've been doing. Um, so in some ways we've been fortunate that all of this happened where we're at a point technologically to be able to do that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of comfort to be able to do that. But it's made the creative process that much longer, especially for that band and that group of individuals. Um, yeah. With the Umbra record, we, you know, we had that record pretty much ready to go. And so now we, we've been, that band's been slowly demoing and writing yeah. all throughout last year. So we probably had like a half a record done and the blood from the soul record was like a slow burn for a, quite a long time with Shane and those guys. And um, I think even like when I toured with you, Mike, yeah, I think I was already working on that. Yeah. So it was like real loose, but I was like, I was trying to get in the headspace to kind of like, I had most of the songs where I was like really trying to figure out how to approach that whole thing. Um, and so that, that also, you know, came out in, in 2020. So um, yeah, it's, it's just been a wild time, but you know, like converge things are moving along. We have a, you know, we, we have a whole lot of stuff on, on the horizon and we're slowly chipping away at it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all up here now. We're we're all on the East Coast right now, working together. That's great on some stuff. So, um, yeah. So it just took a while. You know, it's not very. It's not easy to get get a guy on a plane. You know, uh, right now, that's for sure. Yeah, we we had. Uh, I don't I don't know about about you. I can only speak for myself. But there's a level of of weird depression i think that happened with me and a lot of other creative people uh when when this all went down you know um i kept on hearing about you know people with office jobs going to write like the great american novel or finally like make their record when everybody i know who made records or wrote novels or painted like you know could barely get out of bed (laughs) yeah because it was already hard enough to you know to to sort of go down that road because it's you know it's a it's a very interesting place to be to be a creative person in this in this thing like you it's not like you all of a sudden have have all this free time and i think that's quite a fantasy for you know people to go write that the great american novel because they have 
of, you know, because they didn't let go from their investment job or something or furloughed or whatever. And, you know, the economics of life dictate all of this and always have. And I'm like really unapologetic about that. Like bands have to, they, we exist in, in this economy. We're born into it. This is what we got. You know, we, we, regardless of how flawed it is, we have to work within the confines of what this is, even if it's a labor of love. We, as, as adults, we still have to pay for the apartments and for the houses and for the rents and the mortgages and for the food on the table. So um, to me, the survival aspect of all of this kicked in way before the like the yearning to be like, I'm going to be a creative, you know, free floating spirit or something like that. You know, it's like, no, fuck, no, I got to figure out what's going to happen. I have to keep, I have to keep these businesses running. Yeah, I have Mm -hmm. to keep the creative businesses running. I'm have to be responsible to the the bands and artists that I, you know, have daily contact with and weekly contact with and same with the rest of this business and the rest of the people, you know, here at death wish. So, you know, it took a lot, you know, and and for the first, I would say with the first five months, probably I would say five months, you know, it was, it was a skeleton crew. It was basically, um, you know, two of us here at death wish, we had to let everybody else, you know, go in some capacity and we just had to get orders out the door you know so i was packing orders for five months you know and i still do every day you know like we have we have the the human power here again thankfully Mm -hmm. and we got to bring you know everybody back in some capacity but there's a lot of challenges with that you know there's a lot of challenges in terms of you know personal space and whatnot we're not these large monstrous Mm -hmm businesses with huge warehouses you know yeah. we're all on top of each other typically so we have to do it and and be safe and and mindful of, of everybody and you know it, it is what it is but like that's i'm also the kind of person too that like if you told me tomorrow i had to fucking deliver newspapers for the rest of my life i would just figure out a way and do it totally. you know like i would just i mm. that's that's it that's like you yeah. know i would just make it work you know and i think that's mm. a the, like not to harken back to the uh to the um the sort of idea that that punk and hardcore and all this stuff sort of trains you for something but you're definitely not a normal civilian if you spend mm-hmm. you know like 20 30 years of your life um you know getting in and out of vans and fucking jumping from every city and making records and see you know like you know fucking sleeping on the side of the road and you know like just having the weird experiences that we've had it changes you and it gives you a different perspective of what, what you can, what you can do and what you need to do. Yeah. I mean, based on conversations we've had even before now, you know, like, you know, I remember like, yeah, several years ago when we toured together, you were talking about like just kind of the need to have various different kinds of income, uh, income uh, streams and like keep, like keep various kind of, uh, Kind of like for lack of a better word, hustles together because you never mm-hmm. know what's going to like when something significant is going to crash and yeah, you know, some yeah. kind of safety net. Well, it's all buying freedom. Like I was, I, I try not to think about it as nets as freedom, right? Like you know, um, I was talking with with Shaka from Burn earlier today for a while, and we were talking about uh, some of this subject, and you know, like. When I was a kid, and I'm sure you, both of you are the same because we all love bands and love music and love sh- 
like all of it. When I first went and saw his band, for example, I was probably like 13, 14 years old or something like that. And, you know, I paid my, my like 10 bucks to get to the show, went to the show, but I wanted more than anything at that time. I, I valued the token that I would take away from that show. I would value the t-shirt that I would take away from that show. Not only because it would be a memory, but it would be a number. It would be kind of like a memory for me. It would be a trophy for me. Um, but it also, it's like a, a band t-shirt, at least to me still is like, it's almost like a signal, you know, it's like, uh, the equivalent of a bat signal, right? It's like, it's out there. Like you're saying like, I value this. This is awesome. This is cool. This speaks to me psychologically and emotionally in a variety of ways so much so that I need to wear it. Well, like that, that brings me to a really good point then, you know, cause obviously you guys, you guys make. I mean, Jake, Jake, your, your, your artist, you know, known the world over and all that. And you've made a lot of iconic designs over the years, but you know, what you, <laughs> you got to have a favorite shirt of yours that you have nothing to do with that you, that you love to wear. Oh, tons. Yeah. yeah. Tons. Yeah. You know, it's funny as much as I make stuff and I enjoy the process of making things, I'm not that big of a collector mm-hmm. of anything. Mm. Um, I'm just, um, I'll go through phases just like anybody. I'll be like, Oh, I need whatever, you know, I really want that thing again. Or like, you know, I, I need, you know, I, I need 40 dancing shirts or something. Um, you know, but then I go, oh, I don't really need these. And then I just kind of purge stuff. And I've been in that sort of purging phase for a while. Um, so even like my own, I don't keep things in my own. Generally, I usually give away most things. Um, you know, I, I use this, this earlier today too like i had a guy come fix my dishwasher who's like an old hardcore kid and he has like a hardcore um one of his best friends is a, is a hardcore fan of of this world and he asked for a couple of records of course i'm going to give him a couple of records because he values them as a person and as a listener so much that he connects with them that they mean much more to him than they do to me even though i made it i'd much rather give him something for my personal collection because i i'm not going to ever take it out of there you know, like, what am I saving this all for? So I, I'm, I'm that way with most musical things. Like I don't save much stuff. Um, I say I have relics all over the place in my office here, not because I'm like celebrating them so much as much as they're just sort of like remnants. I personally really enjoy the creative process. And once I'm done with it, I move forward. And I think you probably relate to that too. It's a, yeah, it's cool. Um, I mean, I have all the stuff that when I build, when I build records, I have all that stuff. And like, I try, it's, you know, I have a, since I wear, since I have to wear a variety of hats in the, the music world, you know, I try to stay, I try to stay quite organized. So like, I even have, um, you know, I have backups in, you know, in alphabetical order of every job I've worked on for the last 25 years, literally right next to me right here so if somebody says they need as long as the files aren't corrupted you know over time like i still try to like refresh them so that doesn't happen but in the digital space like i have most things in close to me in some capacity um sometimes there are technical hiccups where like i try to find something and it's just like you know the, the cdr is too far gone or you know the physical what whatever i had is disintegrated but you know, there's some bands that I have, you know, almost everything still like, 
Um, like a cabin is one of those. I have most things I worked on. I have most, um, most American nightmare stuff I did. Um, I think the only stuff I've lost, I actually was looking for like a poison the well thing for them a few years ago and I didn't have it anymore because the, the file got corrupted. That was pretty much it. But like, I try to keep those things archived and, you know, being a label, um, and, you know, being the art director of a label, you know, it's my responsibility to basically do that as like the art director and creative director or whatever. So like, yeah, I don't need trophies. I feel, it, it feels, I don't know. It kind of feels gross to me. You know what I mean? Like you ever like, it's, it, it's, I don't know. I don't even know anybody like this, but I've seen it on TV before or in a movie when somebody like walks in, they, when they like walk into their own like library or something. And it's like, you might as well be in a mausoleum to them themselves. You know, it's like it, you're, you're in their, you know, you're in their crypt, you, you know, like, like it might as well be a pyramid with all their pets, you know, mummified, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't need that. You know, like when I see like gold records and stuff, like I get it, you know, people feel all happy about things that they've accomplished, you know, but I think you, in your heart, you know, what you work on. And, and if it means something to you at the, the, that's really all that matters. You don't need to know that it sold X amount of copies or this or that. That's like, it's that part's gross totally. to me. I'm yeah. not, I'm not into that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. It's like, I don't do, and I, I, I take it you're the same way. And we've talked about this a bit. I don't do this so that I can then have something to show for it. I don't do it to like achieve some kind of goal, some kind of being like, you know, mm -hmm. recognition or, uh, you know, hitting some kind of like a mark. Like I do this so that like, I'm not miserable and I don't yeah. float. Uh, so when, when you were young, like when I was like, when we were teenagers, you probably had some sort of, some sort of like loose fantasy of be like, wow, I would really like to be able to make noise as loud as that guy. Totally. And that's pretty much as far as it goes, I think. And then like it, after that, it, that's when it becomes unhealthy, like hero worship stuff or trying to attain something that is, um, it's not you, you yeah. know, you just want to be you. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely it it's it's wonderful you know for me to like you know kind of like be able to identify that in in people that like i've that i've looked up to for a long time you know i like you know before i ever met you i was you know a, a huge like a huge converge fan like um very into pretty much you know everything else that you've done and then getting to like hear you like hear you speak and hear your kind of reasonings behind behind what you do and the fact that yeah you just see somebody and you know that this is like kind of like a physical sonic act that like maybe like maybe you can kind of get there like that's the goal but the goal isn't to be to actually be that person or to like hit like some right. kind of like level of sick like i'm like you're not trying to be fucking 
I don't know, James Hetfield or some shit. Like that that's no, not the and, goal. And you know what? And honestly, James Hetfield's probably not trying to be James Hetfield. Totally, definitely. You know, and, and I think that's like that's one of the things that people lose sight of when they analyze music or they analyze where somebody fits in the sort of like subcultural sphere that we that we live in. You know, there's all there's all these um there's probably all these ideas as to like who you are as a person or who I am as a person or like, you know, what drives us. I haven't figured out what, what, what or why I do the things I I do, you know, I've unpacked some of it psychologically, but that's not, um, that's, that's not going to happen from a outsider's perspective, you know? So you just kind of like have to just do, just do you and not really, uh, pay attention to any of that other stuff, keep it on the periphery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the people that I know who, you know, like, let's say they like, you know, they, they play in bands, they, they make music, they make art and they, you know, have fucking hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers and like, you know, like Instagram followers, like whatever. These are people I know who are at their happiest kind of when they're interacting with, you know, the five people in their family. And there's like, you know, there's some of the more, um, the more introverted people that, um, Mm -hmm. that, that I know. Well, you know, what's an interesting part about the the world that we live in creatively. Okay. Mm -hmm. We, we create art and music that is really personal. And even if it's, um, even if it's sort of like masked in metaphor and analogy and whatnot, we're there for these specific reasons that, um, are quite, they're, they're quite personal Mm -hmm. and they almost, they, they transcend your typical daily relationships that you have with people. Um, and it doesn't, it's not to say that those that you, your family doesn't know you better or those people don't know you better, but they know an aspect of you. And you, for, for the most part, the day-to-day you is you. The artistic you is you working out stuff. It's mm-hmm. you working out yourself psychologically, emotionally, putting yourself out there, communicating whatever message you want to put out there. But more often than not, it's um, it's something that's like that you almost forget that you're right that you're writing and an audience is going to hear it. You know, that's like that's like one of the um, the glaring holes I think I have if I think about this. Where like um, I I don't insulate anything, you know. So like I'm working through all of those like those those personal demons and struggles and turbulences that I've experienced like right there, and that's what people are relating to. Yeah. So people are only relating just by sample size. They're relating only to your, your strife and your turmoil as a person. They're not relating to you as a person. They're relating that aspect of you and, and then getting something positive out of it and hopefully living a healthy, positive life from, you know, taking some sort of, taking some sort of lecture from it or taking some sort of like hey i'm not alone it's okay to feel this way and have like you know like this family and friend shit fucked up and you're trying to you know you're still still living still breathing like um 
and I, I forget how vulnerable I am when I make that stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel, I I forget how vulnerable I am on stage playing that stuff. And so it's, um, it's weird. It's like, I insulate my, the people in my daily life from that entirely by having this compartmentalized view of art and putting it in there. Um, and I don't know if that's, that's good or bad. I don't know if that's a healthy thing or not. I, I think that none of us are one dimensional. And I think that, that that just kind of calls to it, you know, but like, I don't, I, I leave like the pain I put personally in a song. I put it in a song to stay yeah. there. Like I, I don't put it in there. Like, and yeah, it, ironically it gets projected out into the earth and everybody experiences it that chooses to listen to it in some way. And they can relate to it on a variety of levels if they choose to. Um, I don't want, I don't want to go home and take that. I don't want to be that like curmudgeon guy and like take that pain back to my family, you know? Definitely. Um, so Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a strange relationship to have with music and it's, um, sometimes it's conflicting. Sometimes it's, um, it's ironic. Sometimes it's funny. Um, you know, and I mean, there's humor in all of it, right? I mean, like I've toured with you and you see me like talk to people who, who, and I've seen you talk to people who've interacted with your music and they take something, um, they take, they're relating to your pain and they give you their experience of, of, of personal, you know, conflict and pain that they're going through. And it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Big time. It's a lot to unpack. Sometimes you're, um, you're, you know, you're already physically drained from performing. It is what it is. It's a physical, whatever. Um, and then psychologically, you know, you hear about all the other things that are going on to the people that have let you into their lives, you know, and in a way it's like this big, weird group therapy, um, but then it's fucking exhausting. You go home and you're all fucked up, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you're like you finish up a, a set and you're like, you're driving to find something to eat. And you're like, wow. Like I, I've had like Nate say to me, like driving be like, well, that was a fucking heavy conversation you were having with that guy. I'm like, yep. Dude, yep, it was. I mean, I, me by nature, I, 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 I get freaked out uh, by like by human interaction <laughs> generally. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I. It's not that I dislike people. I just, um, I, I just get scared. And uh, mm-hmm. so part of part of being at the merch table and talking is that it forces me out of out of this bubble and you know, Mm -hmm. people come up and yeah, it's right after you're done playing or it's right before you're playing. And they talk about this thing that you've touched on that they, that they then identify with. And I'm like, that fuels me in that I feel less alone. And I find Mm -hmm. that it's important for me to kind of be in that same like physical space with them and to like you know not not necessarily just be like a part of a music community but be part of like this like overarching world of people who you know you know suffer from mental illness or you know dif- different levels the of existential of despair. Of it, yeah, yeah definitely um, yeah, I, I love i love the different levels of existential despair should be the name of this podcast i mean that's it um, but no, you're, you're, you are on the money with that. It's uh, that is, that is essentially it. You know, it just, all these, 
it, it's 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 levels of a fucking layer cake of sadness is what it is yeah um and i you know it, it does give everybody a, a home that chooses to to find you know heavy music that's the one special thing about this whole world that we are a part of yeah definitely i mean i find that you know for myself like the best conversations i have tend to be at like at those shows not like you know with like whoever is like you know the the cool punk kid who like Mm -hmm. happened to come up and be hanging out but is like the 15 16 year old who came with like one friend or came by themselves and Mm -hmm. uh you know this actually means something to them and i think that part of that is because i remember being that kid i remember yeah you're you're talking that person is talking to future them yeah they're talking to you and that's that that's it you know and so like you you you're you're the younger version of them and so it's like you're the you're you're the wise version even if you don't feel like you're the wise version because you know you're just you're you're a human mess like we all are totally um but like you know you've seen some shit and you're going like it's gonna be better yeah you're gonna get through this in some capacity oh it's a it's a it's a healthy community i'm i'm a i'm always thankful for the fact that we have this um this community it's a it's a beautiful place Absolutely. I mean, and in so many ways, I feel like it saved my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's definitely given me, given me purpose. And, you know, it's wonderful being a part of this overarching community. At the same time, you know, it gave me something. It, it allowed me to see something within myself that, you know, had potentially a degree of value to the world it helped me build self-esteem mm-hmm. uh which uh you know i i often find is even more important than the uh than, than the actual like kind of like one-on-one interactions or or a peer group for sure that's probably the the gift that a lot of us don't really discuss that are creative people right like we're all insecure in some yeah. way. Every human being is insecure. The most con- the, the most conceited person in the world is probably the most insecure person that's out there because because they 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 value it at such a degree. But you know, I think that we forget that this is sort of like a um, an exercise in in self worth. You yeah. know, um, where you're you're trying to be heard in a variety of ways, trying to be seen in a variety of ways, and then. Once it gets past that, like that basic version of it, it starts to get more complex. And the more complex it gets, the more, I don't know. Yeah. Like the more, I don't want want to call it self-confidence or self, I guess, I guess self-esteem is the way to put it, but you're confident in the fact that you can deliver something that is unique to you and that is special and valued by people. And that's, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. It's healthy. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I truly believe that like, you know, that it's like, you know, for lack of a better term, like it's like, it's a gift, you know, it's not something that, you know, that, that everybody gets to do. And I'm just grateful that, you know, that I, and that we've like, you know, kind of fallen into like this part of the world. I I don't know about you. I I would imagine you get this feeling too. When I, when I see, you know, like news, news about, you know, somebody in their teens that like, you know, it's just like fallen off and done something horrible or something horrible happens to them or, or whatever. There's some sort of like extreme action. 
I always like look at my younger, I, I try to think about my younger self and go like, wow, like I'm not very different from what that person was. But the, the thing that helped me was being able to have the ability to have a creative voice. And I found that as a kid, that if I can channel everything I have into that, then I feel less, um, I feel less tension or I feel less, um, less anger or less just l less overall emotion because i've exhausted that muscle you know that i think it's much harder to be a creative person now even though people think it's not because they can make a record in their bedroom or they can make really finished you know looking art on a 500 dollars computer with a scanner it's um it's it's not the same they they have um they have more things aimed at them than we ever did yeah i i couldn't imagine growing up with that 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 level of stimulation kind of all of the time you know um and just trying to like kind of figure out what your identity is in in the midst of that you know there's 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 so much i i know for me you know part of getting into metal and getting into punk was you know seeing like seeing a style that i liked and that i identified with and being able to kind of like throw myself a hundred percent into that or uh, you know uh there's this like kind of music that i you know that i really like be it like punk or like death metal or black metal and i only have like enough money and resources to invest so much in that you know i i don't have the option of you know clicking a thousand youtube links and that's not to say that that's a bad thing it's just no, it's, inc it's yeah. incredible, but it's, it's so much to process yeah. and it's so much to process and to sample and to try to connect with. I find I like personally, as a, just a living human being, I, I, I just can't do that. Like, I just don't have the, I don't know. I just don't have the, the attention span for it, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think there's an overloading that occurs, um, now with, um, with people. So I'm fortunate when I, I feel fortunate when it's somebody that's younger that have that could have gone a thousand other directions with their life but they, they chose to give themselves to you know this specific world of of art and music i think it's fucking awesome it's, it's amazing yeah you know they'll figure this shit out but yeah it's hard yeah. I think, yeah. you know i think Bernan brings up an interesting point too about you know you think you hear about these kids who are like you know 12 years old and all of a sudden they've gone from you know, they've gone from pop punk to infest and just made that giant leap, mm -hmm. which is cool in some ways, but I don't know. Well, sometimes here's the thing. I think they, you guys will probably relate to this term. I use this term a lot and it's kind of not the most popular term, but a lot of people were composers really easily. I know when we were kids to be a poser was the worst possible thing in in any sort of counterculture subculture environment if you don't give your like and the thing is i took that life lesson as a as a kid being into skateboarding and bnx culture and stuff and then it was already tribal like that but then like then seeing the new york hardcore bands and seeing like the early boston hardcore bands and seeing this environment of tribalism start to come up i'm like I never want to be a poser. I want to give myself to everything because I never want to be that. Like if any, if I, if I've, if I value anything in this world of stuff that we are, that we exist in, 
like more than anything else. It's just someone being genuine. I don't care if they're like a, a genuine, you know, this or that, or relate to some sort of, um, some sort of little tribe within the tribe, but like, that's what I value the most when they really give themselves to it. I always find it to be quite shocking when I hear, and I, I have heard stories about this where like, there've been people in bands that have been like pretty successful bands that were giving themselves to it. And then one day they just become a regular guy and they're a regular guy. Now that's what they are. They're a regular guy. And in many ways, I'm a regular guy. I have a house. I have kids. I live in the suburbs. I do regular things, but I'm not a regular guy. You know, like it's, I'm not, I can exist there, but I'm not a regular guy. I don't have, I don't have those values. I don't have those ethics. I don't have those morals. It's a different, different creature. And so when I see, when I see posers, that's what I call a poser. Somebody who just kind of like dips their toe in for a little while, but does it like, does it in a way that isn't out of curiosity, but is, has like, you know, social connotations or different kind of values that like, I just find, uh, I just find it boring. It's not into it. Bums me yeah. out. Yeah, I get the same way. Yeah, getting into it for the wrong <laughs> reasons. There's, there's just something different about um, it, it. It's hard to put into words, but like the concept of a of a poser is like to me like so infuriating. I have a mm -hmm. hard time with it. And it's, you know what it is? I think it's because yeah. the people that I really respect and admire in, in the music and art worlds and that influenced me to, to do, to do the things that I do. Um, at least my impression was they gave everything they had to it and they lived in their, that universe and their, that universe was the be all and end all for them. You yeah. know, like, um, and I, I just, mm -hmm. maybe I took that too. I, maybe I took that, um, that impression like, too strongly, but like, I don't know. I, it's just that that means a lot to me. I mean, I'm the a same way. I think, I, I think it's pretty natural. I know. And I, I don't think I should feel this way. It's not a real, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's just a reaction. I live my life a certain way. I identify with a subculture a certain way. And I don't feel like there's like another option to it. Like there's mm -hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not going to wake up and all of a sudden, mm -hmm you know, enjoy football and brunch. It's just like not going to, I was, I, I was going to use the football analogy. Actually, <laughs> I think it's the way, honestly, it's the way that people feel that normal people feel about sports and sports teams. Like when you hear about like, son, like a, like a grown man that paints themselves, you know, like, like a, the colors of their team yeah. and like goes insane <laughs> when they lose. Yeah. And like, you know, like, and there's like, just like, wild things that happen and occur like I, I know stories of like people who like go in full full-on depressive bouts like you know when a team loses something because oh, they yeah. identify so much and i think we and to a degree we have a we also have a unhealthy obsession with our team and this is our team yeah totally that, that's cool i'm cool with it i like our team yeah. i'm fine with yeah. being unhealthy with it you know yeah i feel like i've I feel like when yeah. somebody kind of goes that way, and this is like a bad knee jerk thing that I do is like, I feel personally betrayed. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like the wool was like, kind of like pulled over my eyes about mm -hmm. what I thought of someone. And then 
you know, one day they wake up and they're just like an account, like they just have an accounting job and, you know, like, <laughs> right. Well, well I, not against accountants, nothing against accountants, uh, any accountants, accountants out there. Great. They, they, I, yeah. I, love the, I love the accounts, but I also, I, I understand what you're saying. And I, and I, I agree with you. Like, I, I just think that it's a, I value the art and I think you value the art the same way and connect with it in such a way that it feels, it feels personal yes. when, when someone jumps off the ship and that hurts. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, I also find it to be funny sometimes too, in this, there's, there's irony in all of this, right? Like in the age of social networking, someone, I'll see a comment, someone will write about well, whatever, some bullshit thing. And they'll write like, Oh, I was really into that like 10 years ago when I was a kid. And then like, you, you click on them and they're like 27 and you're like, you don't fucking know shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think that you're, you're, you're a grown ass adult yeah. at 30. You're not, you think you are. And at 35, you think you are too. At yeah. 25, yeah. you think you're at 20. You definitely think you are, yeah. you know, and oh, yeah. I'm, I'm nearing 45. Yeah. I definitely know. I don't have everything figured out. You know, um, but it's all about, I don't know. It's just funny. It's just, it's all funny, whatever. It's all Portlandia. It's all Portlandia, everything. Yeah. We're all jokes. Yeah. We will. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting watching our like Peter Pan complexes, butt up against the reality of like getting older and being forced into situations where we have to be responsible adults, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a careful balancing act for sure. As, as you progress and age in, in the punk rock world and the creative world, but I don't know. I don't think as long as you evolve with it and you don't like, there's a, you just don't want to be like the high school. You don't want to be like the guy that's not in high school, picking up somebody at high school to hang out. Right. Absolutely like, not. Yeah. Right. And that, and that's where it gets creepy and sad where you, <laughs> You know, so if we could avoid being that kind of creature and just like keep on trucking and moving, that's, that's awesome. It's like I sometimes when I see like uh, like aging youth crew people who still are very youth crew oriented, there's some, sometimes it's like really sad because it's no longer youth. It's like middle aged crew. Yeah. And like there's nothing wrong with that, but there's there is something moderately funny about that. You know, <laughs> something that was born out of a certain, you know, it was born out of a certain time and place and had like a certain aesthetic built upon, you know, like being young and then you're not young and you're still like, you know, just every and then everyone's and then no one's young and everyone's jumping on each other's heads. It's funny. Yeah, like, definitely. How can you not see it's funny. It's wicked funny, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it, when you see it in real life, you're like, wow, that's really funny. But it doesn't mean it's not valid and it's not like, you know, it doesn't strike a chord with them. It's just, you know, you just have to laugh at yourself. It's like, I have to laugh at the fact that like, we all sound like wild animals when we, when we scream and run around like idiots. Like, it's funny, you know, yes. like, it's, but it is valid. It's cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, I definitely have these moments where like I'm on stage and then like, yeah, yelling and, you know, for lack of a better term, like singing for my supper. Cause like, as much as I enjoy doing this, like it's, yep. it's something that I do for, for income. You yell for money. Yes, yeah. You, you yell for money. I yell yeah. for money too. I get it. It's I, a thing that we do. We have to scream a, for money. Absolutely. And sometimes mm -hmm. like you're in the middle of doing it and you think about it and it seems kind of absurd. 
and it's only when you step back from it that like I kind of realize that there's like nothing else in the world that I would ever possibly want more. You know, and I'm sure that there's there's probably moments in the life of people like Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford and um, and Axl Rose who are in the middle of playing a hard show in front of a stadium full of people. And they go to, and they're thinking they're sitting there going like, I can't believe this is my fucking life. Wonder if Elton John ever looked down at his uh, Donald Duck outfit and thought to himself, "Oh you know, my God, what am I, I doing?" I think about that sometimes <laughs> with people who are like who are quite kind of driven into like the costume realm of character, and they're kind of playing a character in a role. That's like a whole different thing. Like that that that's the thing. Yeah. Like I think that this world is unique because don't we don't even though there's there's tropes that we have and there's things that have eventually become tropes and things that we identify as oh that's kind of corny but we still all do it whatever um like when you're mm-hmm. when you're that that kind of artist i think you're more of a you're more of a entertainer than you are an artist like you're mm-hmm. um you're you're playing a different kind mm-hmm. of role in in that world like i when i see if we play a festival with quite large like metal bands or something like that and if we're fortunate to be able to see them play and stuff, I just, I legitimately don't identify with what they are on stage. I feel like we're a di- totally different animal. Like, I think that like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it was a zoo, we'd be on the other side of the zoo, you know, yeah. we're right. just a different thing. Right. We're kind of related. We both have legs. We both have arms. We have a head, but it's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, com- com- completely, completely yeah. get you. And I, I, I appreciate that you know, entertaining and like being like an actor is in and of itself its own art form. I, mm-hmm. I just, I just don't personally identify with it. I, I think about that sometimes now that I have kids and we watch a lot of movies, you know, and I see a lot of this stuff, and they're starting to connect. This is my older one starting to connect like that. Um, that Wanda from WandaVision is also in Godzilla. Yeah. Okay. And starts like kind of doing those sorts of things and like connecting them. And I'm like, yeah, these are all just people playing pretend. They're all just talking in front of a green screen and they're acting scared and they're acting this just, and it's really no different than the fantasies that little kids play when they're running around grabbing sticks and pretending that they're ninjas and shit like that. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just on a much grander scale. But I think about that and that there is a genuine art form to what they do. And there's incredible dramatic actors, but I look at it and go, there's no fucking way I could ever do anything like that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't suspend like disbelief long enough in my life as a person to be able to like act like that. It's a, it's a, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of, it's funny. Like when you go, actually that guy's not scared of that giant gorilla, that gorilla is not there. He's just pretending yeah. and they're running. And it's, it's just funny. Like, it's just the whole thing's funny. I don't know. Yeah. I get a kick out of so, it. So, you know, death wish, like many other independent mm-hmm. labels during the pandemic, um, you know, things just changed. How, how has like, how have like how have um, you know sales been been for you guys? How have like how has like public support been? Uh, have have things kind of been been steady or? Um... Well, there's there's I guess there's there's a couple ways to 
to approach that. So you got one thing to remember is that as a as a our label is very different than um, not very different. I mean, they're all kind of the same, but our label is different in the sense that you know we're a label and we're a distributor, and we've been building the distribute the distribution uh, arm yeah. of the business for about ten years. So although it feel maybe even longer, actually probably about twelve years, but we've really um, done. Uh, in my opinion, a, a wonderful job at occupying that space that's occupied by other labels that do the same thing. Um, but we've been really, really dedicated to doing that efficiently and doing that with a sort of artist mindset. So that's, mm-hmm. that's been growing quite a bit. Um, and, and that's actually been giving a home to a lot of labels that totally. might not, not have had one anymore. Um, so we like, um, yeah, like we're we're the exclusive distributor for like twenty some on labels now, and you know we administer like six hundred something titles. Um, it's it's a ton of titles, um, and that's just on the you know the the digital and physical end of things. Um, we started sort of building uh, an online store right when we started in two thousand, and so now we're twenty years in, so mm. we're quite efficient when it comes to that aspect of things. Um, so we are already had a lot of pieces in place to be able to to navigate this really turbulent time a lot of labels were like what the fuck do we do uh, we don't have we don't have direct mail order we don't have this we don't have direct sales to indie stores we don't have relationships with larger distributors uh, we don't have licensing we don't have this and that like um, it was just like it was messy for a lot of labels and thankfully yeah we didn't really experience that too much. We definitely got conservative in terms of what we, and we still are very conservative in terms of what we take on and what we do and how we approach it, because Mm -hmm. we don't want to make bankrupt records from the start. It's so easy to do that. It's so easy to, to get behind a project because you believe in it and you want it to, to, to be incredible that you forget that you have to, you know, like you can't spend everything on every record, you know, you you need to have a really good understanding truly of where the glass ceiling is for everything that you do, you know, and and you want to surpass it and you want to smash that ceiling, but you need to be aware of what that is. And you need to make sure that like, it's going to, to, to be as successful as you, you want it to be. So that's yeah. with that said, we've done great. Um, and we're going to continue doing great. Um, it's, I would think, I would say things are probably yeah. nearly double of what they were wow. in 2019. Um, but that's also with that though, it's not just like double where we're just kind of like sitting here and saying like, it's, you know, double the revenue, double, you know, double the net that's coming mm-hmm. in or whatever. It's also double the work. You know, there's no, there's, there is absolutely. So like, I, I really feel for a lot of these businesses that are trying to, to, to create and build stores and build, you know, merchandising arms and just like figure out ways to, to occupy the space differently and more efficiently. Um, because it's, it is really hard because we've been doing it for a long time. Um, and thankfully, you know, we're, we're still doing it. Totally. It just means that we just work a whole lot. 
you know, that's, that's, uh, that's what it comes down to. It's just like, um, it's I, sometimes I feel like it's like the, it, it's a good problem to have, right? Like to basically yeah. have too much work all of the time. But again, like the mindset of everybody that's that's, that are here is that we like that challenge. Um, you know, and, and we only take on, you know, like-minded partners, like, and, and, you know, we only, we won't work with labels that we don't really dig and we won't work with bands that we don't really dig. I mean, we've dropped bands for, for shit that we didn't like, Yeah, definitely. you know, um, it is what it is. Um, you know, uh, it's a, it's an interesting time to, to run a business like this. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Metal Matters. Make sure you like or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Sticker, Amazon, to get the most recent episodes automatically delivered to your phone. Thanks for listening, and catch you next week.